Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Even as you've brought those requests before the Lord and we've prayed for one another, I want to pray that we don't, that we don't give up, that we don't, we don't grow weary of bringing things before God. I think we pray once and it's done. Um, let's be like that persistent widow and push in with Jesus and uh, not give up and not be satisfied with second best. Let's push in and trust the Lord to, um, to heal. We've got a, a, a prayer, that, a continuing prayer in our life group. Uh, Annette broke her, her wrist a while ago. It's been in, in, in plaster and out the plaster's come off, but she can hardly move a hand. And it's been extremely painful. And we prayed again in the group. We're praying in the group, praying every week. She said, after we prayed this last week, the pain is gone. But she still hasn't got full movement. So we said, well, we pray again. We keep praying. We keep holding it before the Lord until there's complete breakthrough. Um, let's do that. I want to speak this morning. It's amazing how the Lord weaves things together. I just want to speak a bit on, on faith this morning. Um, yep. Oh, the youth. Okay, youth, the youth go now. Goodness me. I was hoping you'd stay long enough to inspire us with your zeal. Thanks, Wayne. I want to I speak about one of the most difficult topics to speak on. And that's on, on how to please Jesus, and that's on how to grow our faith, is how to please Him, is for our faith to grow. Why I say it's one of the most difficult topics, because in the charismatic era, I got tape after tape after tape after tape, Fred Price, and I mean, went through the whole, the whole gambit, because I wanted to be a man of faith. And I listened to messages over and over again, but I found when a tacky met the road, I was battling just as much as what I did six months ago. Because it was, it was a teaching that had to be put into practice. And the practice part is what is, we, we kind of almost uh, removed from the practice part. Put in a classroom and say, come on, let's learn what faith is. Faith you don't learn in a classroom. And I remind myself when it comes to something like this, in growing our faith and coming closer to the Lord, that um, that there is nothing like walking through the something. Jesus, and I, I, I don't want to keep on quoting this because I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I love growing through learning. So it's not that I'm saying let's not learn. But what I'm saying is, is that Jesus chose illiterate fishermen. Did you hear me? Illiterate fishermen to impart his mandate to to go and change the world. People that couldn't read and write. My mind boggles when I hear that. I don't know about you, but I just say to myself, Lord, why didn't you go to the synagogues and get the most learned students and so impart to the most learned students? So what do we do today? We say, you want to serve Jesus? You want to be a pastor? Go to a seminary for three years. We do exactly the opposite what Jesus does. He, he gets them to dig deep in their walk with him. He gets them to show the fruit of walking with him. And as they start to show the fruit, what was the fruit in those days? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And Jesus walked with them for over three years and taught them 
how to do the works of the kingdom through, through, through um, healing and, and so on. So when they, were, when they were adequately prepared for that, the young, uh, rich young man comes to Jesus. He says, uh, I, want to serve you, I want to serve you better. <coughs> Jesus said, oh, that's great. I, uh, just go and keep all the commandments. He said, but I've done all that. He said, okay, I've got another step for you. He says, go and sell everything you've got. Give it to the poor and come follow me. What was Jesus saying to him? It wasn't as if the riches was the problem. He was saying there's one thing that you've got between yourself and growing to the ability to be useful in the kingdom, and that's the money. It could be a relationship. It could be an attitude to something. So in his case, it was money. He said, go and give it away and come and walk with me for a while. And so that, that's challenging. That you can't learn in a classroom. You can't learn about that stuff. You've got to walk it out. And I've been having a bit of a wrestling with my eyes, as you all know. And thank you for all the compliments. I feel 20 years younger, by the way. People. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really trusting the Lord for a complete and total healing, and it's going, it's going great. And, um, but, but, but there's been a process working in me as the Lord's been working through me. I was very frustrated in the beginning because I was trusting the Lord for healing for my eyes. There was a Methodist minister here in George. We were good buddies. And his eyes were also, um, we used to have to wear glasses. And he and I said together, we're going to trust God together for healing. And so every time we saw each other, we would encourage one another as far as trusting the Lord for healing. And I thought this was that when it started happening. Driving along in the car, I said, I can't see with my glasses. Let me take my glasses. Hey, now I can see. You know, I thought this was that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, starting to enjoy this healing that's taking place. And when I spoke to Yafi about it, he said, Dave, let me just check your eyes when you come back. And we, uh, when, we, when we came back, we checked his eyes. And I don't know what your, your feeling was at the time, but I think he said to me, um, yeah, we give you new glasses. Your, eye, your, sight, your sight has improved a bit, but your pressure is a little bit high. And he sent me along for, a, for a, um, another consultation with somebody else. Now, this time around, my, I was getting so sore. I mean, I was putting ice on it to try and cool it down. It was like a coal in my head at times. And I thought, I thought this was part of the, the healing process. I need to go to, to Yapi when he checked in my eyes and checked the pressure. He got very quiet. When a doctor gets quiet, you worry. <laughs> He just, he just got very quiet. He came back into the room. He said, I made an appointment for you to go and see so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so and, so. and um, to cut a long story short, there was pressure problems in my eyes. Had the operations. It's been sorted. Uh, well, it's, it's in the process of being, being sorted. But the thing that I want to mention to you in that process is I struggled emotionally with what happened. I really was having a big struggle emotionally. And then... Uh, because I was saying, I was trusting the Lord to heal my eyes. I was trusting that it would, I wouldn't have to go to have my eyes yeah. operated on. And then um, I had a conversation with Lillian. Was it last? Yesterday. Had a conversation. Friday. But, um, Brendan came and dropped something off for me to use, and Lillian was with him in the car, and I was sharing my frustration with him. And, um, and she encouraged me. She said, Dave, this is where I've lived in the last while. I'm also trusting God for healing. And so I thought, well, maybe 
as I try to put other high points together as to what is happening. Because I had to give God the glory for it. I'm not going to accept the enemy's story. And I kind of said to myself, now I understand better what it is when people go through when they trust God for healing and it doesn't come as they expected. You know what I'm saying? And so there was a faith lesson that grew out of it for me, which started to become very important in the context of where I was at the time. I, I have to give God the glory. I would believe until my dying day, even if something happens to both my eyes, that Jesus is a healer. And I've missed it somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's not his fault. It's not his problem. And so, and so that's where my faith is at, but I want to see it manifest. And when Jill and I were called back into the ministry, as I've mentioned to you before, and I'll carry on mentioning it, one of the things that we came together and said, we want to, which Lord will plant a church, but it's got to be a New Testament church where we see signs, wonders, and miracles, and your presence among us constantly. Lord, we desire that. We're hungry for it. We're passionate to see more of Jesus. We've been in the ministry for 35 plus years. I have never had a greater hunger for the presence of God is what I've got now. And I want to see, I want to see him manifest his presence amongst us. I've, I've seen spratterings of it, him starting to heal and to uh, people get saved and so on. And we rejoice with everyone that's happened. But when I open the book of Acts, I see a different church. It's what I'd call a New Testament church. See a different church. Yes, I see sometimes that even the apostles were killed for their faith. I say, Lord, if that's what it costs, it's a small price to pay. If that's, if that's what it costs, it's, it, it's got nothing to do with our safety. It's got nothing to do with us being blessed before anybody else. It's got nothing to do with us getting more money or whatever, anything. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with him, his presence amongst us. So that we don't get frustrated when people come in and go home in the same condition. And so, with, without faith, it is impossible, the Bible tells us, to please Jesus, to please God. So there's a commodity that we, that, that we need to have, and I've, I've called this, sort of put under the heading of back to basics, because it's important for us to have a measure of faith. If we want to go on a journey with the motor car, we've got the end in view. But the thing is, if we've got no trust in our motor car, we never get there. If we never get to the place where we can go in, sit down, start up, and go, that's the faith process. It's pointless just having the vision. It's pointless saying, I'm a Christian faith as opposed to a Muslim faith. That's theoretical. Yeah, I am Christian faith. No, persuasion. Faith is a commodity that we've got that is seen in the way we walk. It's something that transforms our life from the inside out. And we, it becomes visible, especially to those that need a savior. They even climbed trees in Jesus' day to see him because he was healing so many people and touching so many people. And so when Jesus becomes visible, the, we, we won't hear about revival in the church or through the church. We'll hear about it in the newspaper. We'll see the airplanes landing more and more and more at the George Airport as people hear that God is the answer. That's what I long for. I long for him, his name to become famous amongst us and in our city. 
wouldn't it be wonderful if the taxi strike is very different here than what it is elsewhere? Because we get together and in peace, reconciliation with the Lord and with one another, we kind of see our society change from the inside out. Can you confidently, as you would a motor car, climb into a motor car, confidently rest in the ability of God to take over your life? See, that's the bottom line. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of at a place in some areas of my life. I say, Lord, it's a little bit harder. And we'll touch on a couple of those. A little bit harder than this area. It's easy for me to, in church, say, Lord, I love you, and you're the greatest, and and I, Father, I, whatever it is, I'll go through it for you. But at some time or another, our faith, our persuasion needs to be tested. And it needs to be grown. So that God can entrust us with more and more and more. It's not a, a, a question of... You see, the thing is, many people come to the church and come to Christ... Because they want help. Many people, I would say 90% of people come close to the Lord. Now maybe that's being cruel. Maybe it's not that high. But a lot of people come close to the Lord because they want help. Lord, I'm running out of money this month. And I need, I need, Father, I need you to come through for me. I need you to come through for me. If you don't come through for me, Lord, I'm going <coughs> to look at my, look at my balance. Or we come in a, in, a, in a physical situation, our health. We come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm desperate for you to help me. You see, that's not, and as Toinette preached last week, it, it's, it's, not, it's not for us to receive, just receive. It's for us to be and to become. The change needs to take place on the inside. It's not about help. It's about changing and becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And with that, there's going to be tension, pressure that comes along our way because the Lord wants us to grow our faith muscle so that the enemy can't bring on stuff that catches us by surprise. It's not only just turning towards him, which needs faith. It means turning away from stuff that needs bigger faith sometimes. But it's all in the same package. Sometimes we've got to turn away from stuff in order to turn towards stuff. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Just see if this isn't describing our generation. Unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal. You just got to get onto any um, public media to see how brutal people can be with one another today. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather lovers of, than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. The Lord says that we're going to be living with people that display every single thing, and we're going to be part of that community. Once when I needed some cash to buy a car, we go into the, into the, the uh, bank manager's office, 
He said, Dave, have a seat. I said, I'm, I'm much more comfortable on my knees, thank you. <laughs> We're living in that society. Money, in a sense, money controls the society in which we live in. And we're living in it. We're embedded in it. But we need, we need to make sure we're not controlled by it. It's good for us to have money, but not for money to have us. So we need to, we need to be in the, in very observant and alert as to what's happening and influencing us so that we can make sure we're not part of it so that we can move towards God. So there's a very real process that we need to distance ourselves from some things so that we can draw near to him. And that's what Jesus said to that young man. You need to distance yourself from that which is giving you comfort and you need to come close to me. Give, get rid of it. It's getting in our way. Get rid of it and come close to me. An older man came and asked me one day, and I know when us, older, when us old toppies get worried about this, then it's, then it's a little bit more significant than when a young person does. I can remember standing up on the heights in Johannesburg when I moved out of the ministry. I was in the, I was in the Methodist ministry then. I resigned, and I wanted to go to Bible school. And Jill and I were standing in Joburg and in a high spot. I don't know where it was, but we, and there were lights. There was millions of lights around me. Now, in those days, I was a qualified electrician, and I got out of the motor car, and we were looking at all these lights. I said to him, don't worry, my dear. We'll never starve you, I promise you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We'll never starve you. So there was, there, was a, there was a process that was going on in us in order for us to, to know that I was young enough to do something. When you get a little bit older, you kind of say to yourself, hey, those years are just about gone now. So that question becomes very significant when you get older much more significant when you get older because now you've got coming to the end of your productive life. Am I right? Mm -hmm. And so that question becomes much more important. Dave, he asked me, how do I know my money plays too much, too, too an important a role in my life? This guy asked me. How do I know it's replaced Jesus? That was the easiest question that I've ever been asked, I think, relating to this, because all I had to do was recount the story of the young rich man. I just had to repeat it. I said, I'll tell you what, if you want to know, okay, you're not a youngster anymore, I understand how difficult the question is, but if you want to know, go and sell it all, give it away, and follow Jesus. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. That's how we know that we know that we know that he, um, that this is faith now. This, there's nothing propping this up. Fortunately, Jill's got a prophecy over her life that money will follow her. So I, see, I, keep, <laughs> so I keep close behind, making sure that I'm following just behind the money. <laughs> but what, I, what I'm saying, God's got a plan for our lives. He's got a plan for our lives, and, and he will work it out according to his purposes if we get our priorities right as far as the faith and trust is concerned. A fruitful life, life is not the length of days and the month of gray hair we've managed to gather and go at a ripe old age to be with Jesus. The significance of a fruitful life is how we've lived that life. And Jesus, I might remind you that Jesus was in his 30s when he was crucified. He touched this earth for a very short period, and yet he transformed it in those years that he touched it.
Can you just imagine how our city can change if we get this message? Can you imagine? Not just our city, but the whole of the Southern Cape and the whole of Africa can change if we just get this message and give him his rightful place in the church. Give him his rights, all he needs. Because in Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who, remember it, earnestly seek him. So faith is not just a matter of learning the lesson in the classroom and then going home and blah, 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 blah. You know, faith is the evidence of things not seen and the hope of things to come. Faith is the evidence of things not seen and the hope of things to come, which is in the, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1. That's the definition of faith. Yes, it is. But that's just the, the definition of it. When we did experiments at school, I mean, the last time I did an experiment, I think was at school, other than blowing up my workshop with some chemicals and stuff. But... Uh, you put the definition at the top and it's just a summation of what follows. The summation is what's important. How it, how it works out is important. The proof comes just after that. What's the kind of faith we're speaking about? We've all got different levels of faith. and I've kind of called some level the practiced faith and some level the blind faith. The practiced faith is the practical kind of faith. You and I practice that practiced faith every day. We sit in a chair. Who says this chair is going to hold us up? Well, I sat in it just now, and it held me up. Everyone's sitting in it now, and it's holding them up. So maybe if I sit on it now, it'll hold me up. And so through my life, I build up reasons why I should have practical faith. In just about every avenue of life, I can build up practical faith. Why do I run to the medicine cupboard when I've got a headache? It's because I know that the dyspronor in the medicine cupboard, do people still use dyspronor anyway? Dyspronor in the medicine cupboard, and you can go and get something from, because last time I took one, it helped me to cope with my, it practiced faith. There's no, there's no blind faith in that. Absolutely none. And so we learn to live our lives in such a way that practiced faith becomes more important for us than our blind faith. Blind faith is very different. Blind faith says, I can't see, but I still believe. Blind faith says, I haven't seen Jesus, but I know he's there. You know what I'm saying? That takes a totally different level of faith. It can't be practiced faith because sometimes we have failed ourselves and blame him for the things that haven't come our way, as it, as it were. Practice faith through trial and experience and failure. That's practiced faith is built up. Nothing wrong with that. We live with it every day of our lives. Blind faith is faith in an unseen God. <clears throat> we need to take a blind leap into his kingdom. No, we don't. We don't. It looks like a blind leap. But it's not. Do you know, I like to remind people every now and again when I can, do you know that Jesus has died and they've never discovered his body? He's the only one who's proven himself to be God. 
by what he has said. No other. No other quasi-God, sort of a God, that we've made a God, has ever said, I'm going to conquer death and rise again and has proven it. Nobody. So when I take a blind leap, leap, I stand firmly on that. When I take a blind leap, I look at the life of my dad and my mom who served Jesus all their lives. And I look at them and I see the outworking of their lives and the the production of their faith. And I say, thank you, Jesus. And I stand firmly on that experience. When I got born again, I saw a miracle. I've stood on that often when I pray for people. I saw someone healed. And I've heard the testimony after he was healed. And it wasn't just a headache that went. It was a leg that was dramatically changed. And I looked and I saw in my fallen state, what happened was my, I was brought to tears instantly. Because that was the God that I wanted to serve. And so I was quick to say to him, to run to the, to the when they made an invitation after that, I said, I want to be there. I don't want to miss this God. Joel was with me. Young married, 21. Young married. I don't want to miss this God. And he's transformed my life. Subsequently that. Seen him play out his role in our lives often and often. So it's not a blind faith. There's many of you, maybe somebody even yet today who's come in who hasn't made a commitment to Jesus. You've never got to the place where you've said, I want to serve that Jesus. There is only one way for us to repent of our sin and to follow him. And when we do that, we build up enough evidence to stand on that he's the one that removes our sin and places us in a new place with God. No more judgment. No more conviction. I'm forgiven. And now, die today, I'm with him in heaven. No more guilt and shame for me to live with. I'm saved. It's not blind faith. It's not blind faith. For you to come to the end of that that decision that you've made, even if you make a decision like that this morning, you come to the place where you make that decision. I guarantee you the first thing that will happen is that you will say to somebody afterwards, I felt like a weight was taken off my shoulders. It's that weight that I can stand upon because I know, I know that I know that I experienced that release of my sin and guilt. And so it's not blind faith. So what I say to myself when Jill and I remind ourselves in the Kruger National Park, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to live. It's not just saying we want to live it because, because it sounds like a good idea. We want to live it because there's no other way of life. There's no other way. I don't want to just go and rely on the rand dollar exchange rate. I promise you, I don't want to do that. I don't want to rely on how I'm feeling in the morning when I get out of bed as to whether Jesus is close or not. I want to know that I know that I know he's there. And that's the faith that I want to put my life into, into him. Life-changing faith. Not a temporary kind of a teaching that I've heard, but a life-changing faith that I can put my full weight on him. We surrender our lives to an unseen God. I've never seen him. You've never seen him. But hopefully you've seen the effects of him upon your life. Hopefully he's become visible 
to you. Matthew 6 verse 6 says, But when you pray, you go into your room, close the drawer, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, <laughs> who sees everything, we're unseen, but not Him. We go into the room and we don't see him. We close the door. We go into this room. And it's just us in the room. When we go into that private and quiet place, he sees and hears everything. Isn't that comforting to know? That takes faith. It takes faith to us, for us to get out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning and say, I'm going to go meet with Jesus now. Go into a room that I was in last night. And maybe did some work in. Go into this room with a different attitude. Close the door. Lord, I'm meeting with you now in this room. An unseen God. But I'm meeting with you now in this room. It takes a different kind of a faith to take that step. See, it's not theory. It's practical how our faith can grow. Then the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Can I read the whole verse again? But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And then it says, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 12, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. This is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Lasts forever. Folk, we're busy with life. It's not just a, like a temporary one day I won't be here anymore. We're busy with life. And God watches over every single action that we make so that he can punish us no so that he can reward us as we go to him his unseen God so that as we express that faith in him unseen God in a closed room we go into this room we close the door unseen God go into this room that moment his ears are pitched so that he can reward those who diligently seek him, who have their eyes fixed on what is unseen. It takes faith, the right kind of faith. I know it is a blind faith because we haven't seen him, but all of us have got enough evidence of who he is. And so just in summary, so what kind of faith will please God? Number one, Making an invisible God visible by the trust we place in Him in the visible world. How does our faith please Him? By making an invisible God visible amongst us. Number two, to make Him the source and resource of everything in life. Is He your resource and source? Is He the first place that we go to to be our resource for, the, for life? Is he the first place we go to when we've got financial issues, when we've got relational issues, when we've got stuff that we need to work out? Do we run to him or run to the second plan? Every situation, 
you or we, number three, every situation you or we are facing right now, Yalpi asked us to pray this morning. Every one of those situations we prayed for becomes secondary to his presence right in the middle. In other words, we've got this thing that we're trusting God for. We've got him. We've got it. All of us have got it. We've got things we're trusting God for. I've got my eye trusting God for. We've also got her things that the money will come closer. We've all got, we've, we've all got stuff that we're trusting God for. Some people have, are sick right now. Some people have got relational stuff that's, that's battling to work out right now. I want to dare you to put Jesus in the middle of it and to take your worry out. Take your worry out. Worry is, is, a, is, a, is a sin that puts God out of your problems. Puts him outside. Faith is something that puts God in the middle. What does worry speak of? Stress. Worrying, trying to worry this thing out. We need to get to the end of our worries and the place where we can pick up the fruits of the kiddies this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Thank you, Lord, that we can apply all of these things in greater measure right now to the situation. Thank you that I don't have to resort to my own plans and schemes, but that you are more than more than enough <coughs> for every one of them. Number four, the last point. Seeking, searching, persevering, knocking, and asking. Don't give up. Because that's a testimony of who we're relying on. When we give up, we start to look for plan B, don't we? In other words, we don't, we're not praying for this anymore, whatever it might be. We're not praying for it anymore. So what does it say? I wonder what will help. Is there anything that will help this thing? Faith says persevere like, like the persistent widow. Pray. Faith says pray like Jesus prayed. And when the, the blind man started to see people walking like trees, Jesus said, let's pray again. Let Jesus said it. <laughs> Jesus said, let's pray again. Let's push in. It's a testimony of our faith. And so, Father, I want to come to you today knowing that you've got your hand upon us as a people. Anybody here this morning, you have never made a commitment to serving this unseen God. <laughs> I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you haven't made that commitment, please don't put it off another day. Don't put it off and just say, well, there's too many people, I'll be embarrassed. Yes, we will be. If we deny God before men, he'll deny us before the Father, the word says. Come on. If it's you, won't you just raise your hand so that we can pray with you? I guarantee you, you'll feel that weight lift off your shoulders. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for salvation, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Don't put it off. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that you came to change our destiny. Thank you, Jesus. You've got something. Yelpi spoke about it earlier on. Maybe it's something which is so big. You've got, you, it's, you're worrying it to death right now. You've got it in the center of your life. I want to ask you if you won't just bring Jesus into that, into that picture. Bring him in. He's the life-giving God. He's the one that exchanges our, our troubles for his peace. 
Give it to him. And just do what he's asking you to do. If, he, if, 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 it's, if it says it's impossible for, for us to invite him in, if we've got anxiety in our hearts and unforgiveness in our hearts, just forgive. Forgive, it's easier to live at peace than it is in turmoil. And so faith will come, it'll be easier to express that faith as we do that. Father, I want to thank you that it becomes easier and easier to walk with you as we get rid of all this baggage and that we just pursue you like the rich young man, Father. We want to be there for you and you for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.